0: This is "Let Your Voice Be Heard" right here on WHCR ninety point three FM, the voice of Harlem. Good morning, and welcome to "Let, Let Your, Your voice, voice Be
1: Heard." hey that was a really gangsta delicious intro you just no, had. No, it right wasn't because
0: I didn't even get to finish. Oh no,
1: I'm talking about the music, Selena.
0: Oh, the music that you played. Yeah, no, that Selena was that was, was over really here, good. You
1: know, cooking did, that work.
0: No, nah, was did you play that in honor of "Made in America," which was in Philadelphia, which Meek Mill. Um, performed that?
1: No, nobody I did not. Cared. No one cares I, I, about me.
0: Everyone Mille. cared. Beyonce was like the headliner.
2: Everyone. No, cared. nobody cared about Meek
1: Mill. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, he wrote on Nicki Minaj, so that made the performance well, worth it.
1: Nicki Minaj, I'm not a fan of her right now either. Oh. But nobody cares about Meek Mill.
0: I mean, exactly. I get it. It's yeah, all same, good. Same well, as except as for like, you. You played the
1: song. Well, yeah, because it was the first song in the CD we had. I didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't play it for a reason, guys. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. I am back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. I know you guys missed me. No you missed that. my dashing good looks. Oh, yeah, you weren't we here last week. We missed my stunning personality. <laughs> we missed my always correct Republican, not logic logic. I'm so bad, guys. I missed you all, except for you, Selena and Alyssa.
0: You know, I actually missed Alyssa's song choices from last week, Alyssa, I was an engineer, Alyssa gave me the music, and we held it down, Stanley, it was an all-women empowerment show.
2: I should have made a new CD for this week. That I sounds got... like a horrible show, me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was, it was really good, guys.
2: No, we and, had a really good show last week.
0: Yeah, we did, and we're going to have a great one this week. Why? Because we're going to talk about the Pope, the President, and climate change. That doesn't
1: sound fun at all.
0: <laughs> what is... I mean... It's fun for me when the thing is, we need to raise some awareness about what's going on in Alaska. And I think that what the Pope has been doing, Pope Francis, by him telling people of faith, it is your moral obligation to preserve the earth, Um and making some moves, making I'm gonna, some progress when I'm going to disagree
2: on raising what? awareness with respect to climate change because I feel like you should be aware already. There's no further need to raise awareness. There's further need to talk about the problem and the solutions. If you want to talk about raising awareness, you should turn into our second segment because that's really the segment where we're going to be raising awareness about a huge crisis that's going on in Europe right now. And that's about refugees that are leaving the Middle East. And that's a thing. Personally, something we really have to raise awareness to, whereas climate change is something we have to talk about solutions.
1: Well, well not some necessarily pe- because. Yeah, not everyone t- knows about yeah, it. There are plenty of people yeah. who are not aware or refuse to acknowledge climate change. So, this is important. I have a friend who um works in South Dakota. If they mention climate change, they get booed. Yeah, no,
2: no, I didn't mean it like that. I think the people who you're talking about who don't believe in it, they're aware of the concept. It's not that you need to make them aware. That was kind of my point. It's you need to you need to reach them further, not just make them they, they're aware and they just don't believe it. That's, and that's different not
0: everyone. than they're, not
2: being aware.
0: There was a poll that showed um, that not everyone even knows what climate change is. Like, uh,
1: I, I don't know, know. I where they that, live. I find that <laughs> quite hard to believe. I think they just polled me and Selena's high school friends. <laughs> <laughs> I find school. that quite... I mean, I'm
2: sure there's definitely people... There's always people out there that don't know about things, but I find it hard to believe that that's a large number of people. Well, anyways... Well,
0: not everyone knows about the severity of it, well, and we'll definitely talk about that.
2: Different right. issue. Severity. Right. The severity key of it. Keyword. Anyways, I am Alyssa, um, and... Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs with an I, or you can comment on the fan page that's politically preposterous or at poll preposterous on Twitter.
0: Definitely, guys. And my name is Selena Hill. On Instagram and Twitter, it's Miss Selena Hill, spelled with an MS. And on Snapchat, it's S.Hill2020, where I have the most fun. So definitely follow me there. Selena
1: has the weirdest Snapchat I've ever seen. What do you mean? Oh, my God. The air is my favorite part of Mother Nature. <laughs> That was the most ridiculous you know, thing I've ever heard. Sammy,
2: I, I Sammy, heard the most ridiculous that was thing. Not that's not even
0: what I wrote. I said that the sunset <laughs> and the sky is my favorite part of nature, and that I take pictures of the sunset dumber. all the time. Whatever. Whatever. uh, It's like my gripe
2: is that everybody's living through their camera. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, oh, I went to a concert, but I didn't watch the concert because I was filming the whole thing. So when I went home, I watched the concert on the phone because of all the videos I took. And I went, wait, you spent like $300 to go to a concert, and you weren't even present there because you were watching the whole concert through your phone so that you could have pictures of it later? Uh, To me, that's so silly. I'm like completely the opposite. I went to the Oddball Comedy Festival on Friday. It was amazing. Thing. It was Aziz Ansari, Amy Schumer at Jones Beach, a bunch of other people. Nice. Yeah. You know, I did not take one photo. Wow. I did not shoot one video because I spent a lot of money to enjoy this comedy show well, and yeah. be there, not filming it. I don't understand wow. that.
1: That's surprising to me? Like, you want to – what? what? Like, even when I was in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. I loved it out there, but my first priority was to soak it all in and yep. have to take pictures. The second priority was, oh, let me take some pictures and videos so I have some stuff to reflect on later But there was so much more that I did out there that I did not pick up my phone for a second because you want to live in the moment. I totally Yeah,
2: I don't get that, guys, because I... (laughs) That's because I, uh, that, I, I hate to say I it in that, some ways it's like you're not living trust yeah. me put down the camera for a minute and yeah. you'll understand what we're talking about my
0: phone is an extension a, of my life and out. I want my followers to enjoy what I'm enjoying in the moment all the time in real time and so. she also
2: loves to get brain cancer <laughs> 10 years from now oh when she starts growing a large tumor on the side of her face the because Snapchat the phone has become tumor. part of her body
0: I know right <laughs> well speaking of something that is cancerous we're also going to talk about the anti-gay movement that's been going on in Kentucky, so Kim Davis is still trending on Twitter. She's actually like the number one trending topic, um, I believe, and it's because she refuses to issue any marriage licenses in Kentucky um, because same-sex marriage has been approved by mm-hmm. the Supreme Court.
1: There are people who are saying that this is religious persecution. No,
0: it's right. not right. It, it, but yes, I'm
2: going to get you. into that later, so don't jump the gun trying, on me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was going to like go off and like you stop me with your smartness list. So I um, appreciate that. By the way, follow me on Twitter, darkskinswindow. I didn't do that earlier. Stanley,
0: you're not—is your Twitter name Darkness? No, it's it's not. not, It's
1: not. It's Stan Fritz. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot.
0: Yeah, it's all good, Stanley. But no, um, Alyssa will definitely give us a breakdown of the legality and the controversy going on in Kentucky. I mean,
2: just briefly now, and obviously, I'm going to give you more later. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is she is a government employee. That is very different than an uh, an average citizen. And as a government employee, she has certain responsibilities. And if she doesn't want to uh, do these things that she is responsible for doing under the law, then she has to resign. And if she doesn't want to resign, then other measures have to be taken. Um, Update, which is licenses have now been issued by deputy clerks. um, But I'm going to tell you all about that later, about kind of, uh, you know, how it got started, what the controversy is, and what's going on now moving forward into the future.
0: All right, guys. So we have a great show lined up. And, of course, if you want to chime in, the number is 212-650-6903. We're going to go on a quick break, where we'll be right back talking about climate change Baby,
2: got something i want to say can way But first off, i'm
1: gee today. But, but you
0: made it in a sleazy way suncuck to Jordans.
1: the kids that's the way it is we are back on let your voice be heard on 90.3 FM WHCR the voice of Harlem and guess what we are doing today we are talking about all sorts of stuff but if you really want to talk about stuff You know what you have to do? Check out Scatter Radio, where we are and our show airs. And if you want to do your own show because you think our show sucks, then go (laughs) home. Go home right now. Or you can just create a Scatter Radio account and talk about things on your own.
2: Can you throw a can't touch this
1: in there? Can't touch this. You see that? This is why they want me back, because because I am diverse and I am dynamic. But, guys, we are not here to praise my name, even though my name is awesome and so is my face. We are here because it is time to talk about climate, mother love, change but this is not just any kind of climate change conversation so usually when we talk about climate change we say oh my god something is melting something is evaporating elephants are dying polar bears are losing their skin color and we had to do something about it or sometimes we mix it up and talk about environmental racism which is a very much real thing and if you don't believe me just go look at the ninth the low ninth ward after hurricane katrina and you'll see what i was talking about But this week, we want to mix it up just a little bit for all you folks out there who are at home, just getting home from church, touching on that Bible, or reading Psalms 23. This is about climate change and religion, but not just climate change and religion. It's also about President Obama and Pope Francis, two men from different sides of the world, from two different perspectives, all of a sudden talking about a topic that puts them in the same lane. So let's start with Barack Jaquan Hussein Obama. As we know, he's dropping a mixtape in 2016 and trying to get signed by G unit records it will not happen because he is not a good enough rapper but while he is still president he has to do his job because hey we elected him to do his job in alaska while talking to other world leaders this man barack jaquan hussein trap god shorty obama said that The time to make changes for climate change is now. It is not 10 years from now. It is not 20 years from now. It is right now. We are seeing the effects of climate change at this moment. And if we do not do something, we are in trouble. And we are pretty much giving our kids a world where they will not have resources. He also said, if you are one of those quote unquote leaders who does not believe in climate change or wants to ignore the problem, you are doing an injustice and you are unfit to lead. He was saying all of this while trying to get other climate leaders to become more aggressive in the things they do in climate change. He says America as the world's biggest economy and second biggest CO two producer they would, accept, they would accept their role and make the proper changes, and you can see an example of that in the Clean Power Plan, which is something the president and the EPA put out to reduce carbon emissions by 2005 levels by the year 2020. And the way he's doing this is by giving states the freedom to cut emissions in their own ways. And if you know about OEAC, you know, we fought to make sure that they didn't ignore the black communities like they usually do when doing that. And he also had a historic climate deal with China, where China and he agreed to reduce emissions on. On their own and China all of a sudden is redu- reducing emissions at a scary pace which some believe is possibly being altered or played around with while their economy plummets even faster and we are still fighting with elected officials who say that God doesn't care about the climate funny enough while they're saying that God doesn't care about the climate we have the Pope Francis release an 184 page encyclical on climate change and what does he say about this whole thing on climate change which some of you guys probably will not believe well this is what he says, guys. Sorry about that. Just going to my notes because for this case, I actually do have to read. He says the destruction of the human environment is extremely serious, not only because God has entrusted the world to us, men and women, but because human life is itself a gift, which must be defended from various forms of debasement. Pope Francis, even though I am a, a heathen. Is a man that I like a lot, and I think he has a lot of good things going on with him, especially when he links religion, climate change, and income inequality all together and says that big businesses and people who have had the biggest carbon footprint owe poor people an apology and a reimbursement. But we'll get into that later because I'm not smart enough to talk about all this on my own because we all know I'm probably still recovering from all the whiskey I had last night. We have Patrick Collin. He's the executive director of the Francian Action Network. You heard of that? Yeah, he's doing stuff. So anyways, prior to joining Fan, Patrick worked for the... For the um, diocese of Bridgeport as a manager of advancement and development for the Stanford Catholic Schools and at St. James Parish in Statford, where he was involved in developing faith formation and social justice programs. If you want to get my eyes perked up and my ears perked up, talk about religion and social justice, because as we know, the civil rights movement, which was led by Martin Luther King and others, was deeply rooted in religion and Christianity and social justice activism. And I'm all about that life. Maybe not the religion part, but that's another conversation. So anyways, guys, I'm going to stop. talking I want to introduce you to the one the only Patrick call on Patrick happy Sunday good morning morning
3: thank you thank you very much I'm really happy to be here and um, uh, talking with you today
1: Patrick we're happy to have you here so Patrick I had uh, two liters of ice coffee before I walked in here so I'm really excited
3: (laughs) (laughs) I could tell that by your opening dialogue
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I wrote that all last night while also drinking coffee at 3 in the morning. Because, you know,
3: drinking
1: drink coffee at all times of the night is a totally healthy thing to do, don't you think?
3: <laughs> Absolutely, yes.
0: Only for you, Stanley. Uh, yes,
1: yes, it's not healthy, guys. Don't do that. So anyways, Patrick, so that we're not just like running around the whole place, I want to say that I have, I have had the chance to read the encyclical. And as someone who is, I guess you would say, secular... I was very impressed and touched by the by the Pope's words and his language and the way that he connects the secular and the religious and the science all together to kind of like put forward this really strong argument. So instead of me just running my mouth, I would really like to just have you kind of give us like a backdrop of like what what he was trying to do with the encyclical and how like what you think is important from it.
3: Well, um, thank you. And again, a couple of things, um, what the Pope was trying to do. And let me just first start off by saying... Um, most people don't actually have a clue what an encyclical is. And, in fact, most Catholics don't have a clue what an encyclical is. So let me say, an encyclical generally is a letter from the Pope to bishops. There's been a lot of encyclicals that have been written. Most of them um, people get, bishops get, a few the bishops actually read it occasionally, and then it gets put on a shelf and it gets clutched dust, and theologians debate it every few years about what the meaning of this word or that word is. This is something completely different. First of all, Pope Francis wrote this encyclical to all people. He didn't write it to bishops. He wrote it to all people, and to people of all faiths, and to people of no faith. And so it is a letter to all people in the world. And it's um, rather than a theological document, it's a call to action. Uh, Most encyclicals, again, take some issue and discuss it from a theological standpoint. And if you've ever, you know, you said you read this one. I've read this one three times now. I've read a couple of other encyclicals, and I can't understand a word they say. This <laughs> one is so beautifully written, and written in such a way that all of us can understand it. So I, I urge people all of the time to just sit down and read this document. It is one of the most beautiful documents that we've come across.
1: I was ready don't to go look. find my cross and say, hey, Mary will marry you once again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: yeah don't, don't go overboard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> stanley had a but, come to jesus
1: moment well played, reading it well <laughs> and we
3: like those come to jesus moments but you know you don't have to go overboard with it family it's I okay hear you, I hear
1: you. <laughs> all right so um quick question for you because we're talking about encyclicals and we know the pope has released written this encyclical and he's talking about climate change but has have these documents usually been used i guess more or less like have a political stance on issues
3: uh, you know, generally they don't. The, the last one it probably did was one that was written uh, sometime around 1890, and it's the one that um, uh, was written all about Catholic social uh, justice, Catholic social teachings. And a lot of this encyclical is based on that previous encyclical of hundred and some odd years ago. Um, as I said, a lot of times they're much more theological, and, you know, what's the meaning of this word and that word, and how we should view this or view that as Catholics, um, This one's not really political either, by the way. This is spiritual, and and there is a difference. It's a call to uh, spiritual action, not necessarily political action, although the two go hand in hand.
1: What would that spiritual action look like?
3: Well, you know, um, if you read the encyclical, in paragraph 202 of the encyclical, Pope Francis talks about change and how we all have to change, particularly um, humans, and particularly those of us who live in the north and have lived a, a lifestyle that's well beyond what we should be living. Um, but the change is not necessarily—it it is things like shutting off your lights or walking or biking or, you know, eating less meat. Those are all important things, but it really is much more of a transformational change. So we have to change how we view ourselves in relation to all of God's creation, in relation to each other and to all of God's creation. And, you know, I know in your, um, when you started out, you talked a little bit about um, environmental justice and the um, really uh, dramatic effect that climate change has had on poor communities. And it's not just climate change that's had that effect. Um, you know, they're doing studies now on fracking, for instance, and they're talking about how um, they had some early data that have shown fracking in communities surrounding areas where fracking takes place there's about a 30% increase in miscarriages. Wow. So, you know, for and these are preliminary data, so so we have to be careful about it, but those, this is what the preliminary data shows. And so, you know, for people who claim to be right to life and then go out and support fracking, well, you can't really be right to life and support fracking if it's causing women to have miscarriages.
2: That's such a great um, point, Patrick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, that leads right into what I was going to ask you about, which is it seems like there's sort of this disconnect, this hypocrisy between not everybody, but at least some people on the what I'll call the Christian right um, and between the the church. Um, and I think you even saw that here a little bit of when the instacle came out. I felt like there was sort of kind of blowback from some people in America that were like, oh, well, you know— um, I don't believe that climate change is real, and, you know, I'm having trouble reconciling my religious beliefs with my, you know, and what the Catholic Church is saying with my own personal politics. Why do you think there is such a disconnect between the Christian right here in America and sort of the place that the Roman Catholic Church is occupying with, you know, we have a moral obligation uh, to our planet, to our fellow humans, to You know life as you point out Um, and what does the Roman Catholic Church expect or the Pope expect this encyclical to have on uh, the membership
3: well um, first off let me point out that the Pope's encyclical is not a new teaching this is a teaching that's been a part of Catholic teaching and Christian teaching since Jesus this is what Jesus taught us and you know if you go back to St. Francis of Assisi who Pope Francis took his name after There's stories about how St. Francis would go out and um, talk to the birds and talk to the uh, animals and talk to the trees, and people would ask him, why are you doing this? And he would say, God told me to preach the gospel to all my brothers and sisters, and I consider these all my brothers and sisters. So there is this disconnect between our relationship to each other and our relationship to all of creation. We're living in a world of separation where we consider ourselves separate from all of creation, and until we change that, that sense of, of who we are and, again, go back to where we're connected to all of creation, we're connected to everything, then there's going to be a, um, you know, uh, the, that disconnect that you're talking about. And, again, you know, part of the problem with, with um, a lot of folks in this country is that they've turned to worship money, right. not right. um You know, and, and, you know, Matthew 6 says you can't worship both God and money.
2: Isn't that one of the seven deadly sins? Greed.
3: Greed, Greed, yes. Amen to that. Um, And and let me also point out, uh, because I know you, you mentioned at the beginning about Martin Luther King Jr., and Martin Luther King Jr. was one of the first people to make the connection between environmental issues and racism. So, again, this is not a new concept either, the idea of racism and um environmental, um, you know, it's, it's no um, secret, it's, you know, not anything that, no, no wonder that we build our coal-fired plants in inner cities. Mm-hmm. We don't build them out in the suburbs. And if you look at, again, you look at the asthma rates among inner city children, mostly young black children, you'll find the asthma rates are much higher than they are out in the suburbs.
1: One out of six so, nationally, one out of four in Harlem and the Bronx.
3: Absolutely, yes. And again, you know and, and again, you can look at what happened after Hurricane Sandy. you mentioned that again, and you can see that um, you know the the wealthier communities they were right in there to fix those up. Um, the poor communities people sat in their apartments for you know a week sometimes without anybody even coming to see if they were okay so that's again what Pope Francis is talking about in the inequality and the lack of connectiveness to all of us
0: right. And, Guys, if you're just tuning in, we have Patrick Corlan on the line. He is executive director of the France Skin Action Network. And you can call in at 212-650-6903. Patrick, so I wanted to talk about, um, you know, exactly what we're talking about and say that as a believer, I actually go to a church where my pastor puts so much emphasis on us as people of faith, to take and move when it comes to social justice movements. (laughs) And that's why I definitely feel and was very happy that Pope Francis has been so outspoken when it comes to climate change from a believer's perspective. And I kind of wanted to ask you about what you think about revelations in the new testament when it talks about the apocalypse and it talks about how the seasons won't change now me as a believer i always sort of connected the dots to this the climate change because if we look at what's going on in alaska they're actually suffering from a record setting warming trend for the last several yeah. years and they've had the longest summer ever in 2015 um if i'm not If I'm correct. So did you, like, is that just me coming to my own interpretation? Or do you see an interpretation of, like, the apocalypse being linked to climate change um, yourself?
3: That's a great point. And, um, you know, I've actually thought of that as well. And, you know, the apocalypse is all about the the battle between good and evil. And um, I often tell people I think we're in the middle of a time where there's a spiritual reawakening. And so there's this whole spiritual movement. If you look at the Occupy movement, for instance, and I know you guys were very familiar with that, and um, I, in my travels around the U.S., I would often stop and stay at some of the Occupy sites. And one of the things I discovered at each of these Occupy sites is the first thing they did when they occupied a site was create a space for prayer. So they'd have sometimes it was a tent, sometimes it was a little, just a few blankets on the ground— And that would be a space for people to go and pray in whatever manner they they felt comfortable and wanted to pray. So the whole Occupy movement was a spiritual movement. It wasn't a political movement. And that's what I see happening. And I see we're we're kind of in this spiritual fight for our souls. And and it's a fight between greed, power, money, versus um, the connectedness of all of us. You know, as a Christian, and and you know this—the uh, most frequent prayer that Christians pray is the Our Father. It's the one prayer that Jesus taught us. Lord's prayer, and in that the, the Our Father, the Lord's prayer, and and in that prayer it says, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And so, you know, what what do you think? I often ask people, "Do you think in heaven God would find it acceptable for us to destroy mountains, for us to destroy?" Um, forest land do you think that would be acceptable in heaven and if it's not acceptable in heaven why do we think god would find it acceptable here on earth so we're in the middle of that kind of a battle um between you know those two forces i think that's absolutely right on that
1: wow thank you so much for that patrick so we do have to go on a quick break please hold with us for one second when we get back we will continue this conversation i think i can we can all agree it's a great conversation and guys if you are listening you can call in when we get back our number is 212-650-6903 until then let's go back to the 1990s right a little bit quick
0: Yes, I did. Yeah. I did Snapchat. Oh, you, and you I think it. that climate change is our enemy. We do have enemies. Do climate mean? change Alyssa, is our enemy.
1: Yes. Well, we, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. I would like to say two things. One, we are talking about climate change within the context of the Pope's encyclical. On climate change, where he talks about the role of Christians and Catholics and people of all religions to address climate change. And we have a wonderful guest on the line. We have Patrick on. He is the executive, not the assistant, the (laughs) executive director of the Franciscan Action Network, or FAN, if you want to use an acronym. And... We would love to continue the conversation we were having, but I know Alyssa had a really great question, so I'm going to throw it onto her. Alyssa, show them what you got.
2: All right. So, you know, it seems to me, and I think we've all sort of touched on this, um, but I'm just going to come out and say it, which is that some people – um, that are Catholic have sort of strayed from this idea that you know the church's teachings are about morality and about helping your fellow man and caring about the planet as we just were talking about before we went to break and, and you know our guest rightly pointed out as far as I'm concerned about you know how God would not have been impressed um, with uh, you know some of the things we're doing here on earth to satisfy our own need for goods and services and you know other things like energy and and green. Read. Um, but my question is, why do we think some of these people—I'm not going to say everybody—why do we think so many of these people who consider themselves to be right-leaning or conservative but also, also Catholic have or, sort Christian. Of, or Christian have sort of strayed from this idea, and how do we sort of bring them back in and say, no, this is what the Catholic Church— Teaches and you know, we how do we change their minds and convince them maybe not to become liberal, but at least to recognize that climate change is a problem and that it's something that they should care about as a moral and spiritual person and somebody who cares about religious doctrine?
3: Well, uh, wow, that was a kind of an interesting short question that, um, um I could actually speak on for about the next six hours if you wanted to. Um, so couple of points on that. One is um, the straying that you're talking about probably happened somewhere in the fifth century at the Council of Trent, when Constantinople and when Constantine, not Constantinople, Constantine took over the Catholic Church and turned it into a church of the state and a church of the powerful and the wealthy. And from that point on, the church began moving away and away and away. From the teachings of Jesus. So we have to get back to what Jesus actually taught if we're Christians. And, you know, Jesus taught us to love one another, to care for one another. Jesus taught us that we're all part of creation, creation is part of us. Saint Bonaventure, who was a 13th century Franciscan saint, taught us that God is reflected in all of creation and all of creation reflects God. Uh, all of creation is, God is part of all creation. And so, if we're destroying creation, then we're destroying part of God. So we're never going to change people's minds. We have to change their hearts.
1: Thank you very and much we, for that. It's very true.
3: Yeah, we, we spend spend way too much time trying to change people's minds with scientific arguments. And what we have to do is really pray. If we're Christians, ask people to really look into their hearts. And because you know, I've had this discussion with a lot of people, Catholic, mostly Republican congressmen, who have said yes. I know climate change is real. I know we have to do something about it. But if I say something publicly about this, then I'm going to lose all my funding. I'm going to be primary. And so they're more interested in they're holding on to their power than they are in doing the, the moral and ethical things.
1: Right. Good point. One of the things I really like about the encyclical is that the Pope doesn't just use, um, you know, Catholic ideology or Christian ideologies he uses like he uses um like i guess language and, and viewpoints mm-hmm. from a bunch of different religions yes, so does. he, he mentioned, i think he mentions some Buddhism in there he um mm-hmm. references a lot of um Islamic um, philosophers and prophets and could you talk, could you talk about that what was his process yeah. behind doing that
3: Well, you know this encyclical took a while to write it wasn't uh, it didn't happen in two weeks, it took about a year to come together and, and Pope Francis has been meeting with a lot of religious leaders. From all different faiths to really understand um, what their faith tradition teaches about this, and, and one of the things that we've discovered, we all—if we look at this—is all of our faith traditions teach us the same thing. There's not really a lot of difference. If you read the Quran, and I, you know, I've read parts of the Quran, and it talks about caring for creation. It talks about all of us being brothers and sisters, the same way that the uh, Gospels do, do and the Torah does. And if you look at the Hindu um, spiritual books. They all say the same thing. So this is one of the things that Pope Francis was really interested in, and 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 again, he gets this from Saint Francis of Assisi. Saint Francis of Assisi, who was a 12th century saint, um, would go off at times and and meet with, hang out with Muslims because he wanted to learn more about the Muslim faith. Um, there's a whole story of Saint Francis and the Sultan during the Crusades where they came together, both put everything at risk to try to bring about peace and understanding of each other's uh, uh, religion and, and um, faith. And so you see that Pope Francis takes a lot of that. He also writes the encyclical in a language I had said earlier. Most encyclicals are written in a deep theological language. This is written in an everyday language for everyday people to understand, and it, they, that's done on purpose so that... It doesn't have to be. We don't have to wait for it. Catholics, we don't have to wait for our bishops to interpret it for us. Um, We can go and read it ourselves, which is, you know, the teachings of Jesus. We can just go read those teachings ourselves and understand them. We don't need other people to tell us what they mean, and that's what this encyclical is is written.
1: That's funny you mentioned that, because um, we were just having a discussion off-air during a break in which we were talking about some of the arguments coming from the right, and they were saying that a lot of the, the text in here gets lost in translation because it was originally written in Latin. I'm not, I'm not sure if that was the case, but I wanted to get your your input.
3: Your input oh, oh, no, no. None of the text is lost in translation. I can pretty much guarantee you that. And I you know, know people who helped write this, helped draft this, and I know people who um, did the translation. And that's one of the things they made sure of, is that the translations of this encyclical – are after it, there is nothing that's lost in the translation. And by the way, I am not. I don't know where to get the idea that the original was written in Latin because um, Pope Francis doesn't really speak much Latin. He speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. So the original would have been written in Spanish and then translated to Latin because that's the official language of the Church. That's and then translated back to all of these other languages.
0: Um, Patrick, I have a question because House Speaker John Boehner, who is a Republican, is also a Catholic. He invited Pope Francis to speak yes, um, and address uh, Congress for the first time ever, and that's be, that'll be coming up in a few more weeks. And <laughs> I'm sort of thinking, like, when he invited Pope Francis and, you know, they set this whole thing up, it had to have been way before um the Pope um, released his encyclical and then started really coming out and talking about climate change so now I'm like do you think that there might be some underlying tension when the Pope actually does come and address Congress um, I've heard people like Rick Santorum saying things like well I need the Pope to stay out of science he's not a scientist and he shouldn't be talking about climate change and I'm, like, and I'm like he is a scientist, <laughs> is a scientist and Rick <laughs> you're not a scientist either and you're actually preaching things that go against 90 99% of what all scientists worldwide say. So now I'm really, really looking forward to the Pope addressing Congress in a few more weeks because he seems like he's just going to say what he believes in his heart, and he truly believes that believers and Catholics should be addressing climate change, and we know that the Republicans in Congress don't. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah,
3: you know, I. We, we often talk about this. I work in Washington, D.C. I live in Connecticut, but my office is in Washington, D.C., and we often talk about it, and we say in God's name was John Boehner thinking when he invited Pope Francis to come and speak to Congress? I can't imagine what was it, his thought process was, because Pope Francis is not going to pull punches. That's the one thing we know about him, is he's going to say what he believes and what he's passionate about, and he's going to challenge people uh, in Congress to really look into their hearts and to really, you know, it's going to be a call to, are you really a Catholic or not, and, and stop pretending you're a Catholic if you don't believe in caring for all of creation. That's what the call is going to be. He's also going to frame it, I believe, around the issue of uh, racism, justice, um, income inequality. And um, he's going to talk about immigration and his address to Congress. He's going to go out and really um, challenge the members of Congress, particularly after what's happening with uh, the Syrian refugees. He's going to challenge them on our refugees from, from Guatemala and El Salvador and Mexico. And what can we do about that? Not I can't to building wait. Wall, but, but to break down walls. So it'll be interesting. And, you know, there's going to be a ton of people there. We're, we're expecting something like 350,000 people on the mall. Mm. Um, we're actually, my organization and several others are getting together, and we're getting jumbotron so people can come and um, uh, hear the Pope speak. We're going to have people like Reverend Yearwood from the Hip Hop Caucus. I'm sure you guys have had him on your show. If you haven't, you should. Um, but he's going to be one of our speakers. Um, and so, you know, we're going to have these speakers talk before the Pope speaks to talk about not just climate change as a separate issue, but how climate change is a symptom of, like all of these issues are, the symptom of our living in a world of separation versus living in a world of connectiveness.
1: Patrick, we are running out of time, but I just wanted you to to touch very briefly on the Pope's discussion on income inequality and the the encyclical, because that was probably my favorite part.
3: (laughs) Well, again, and it's just not the first time he said this, but he talks about how, um, you know, and this is part of Catholic social teachings. I mean, the Catholic Church was one of the uh, founders of the labor movement in this country. If you go back and look at the history of the labor movement and people like Dorothy Day. And, and the idea that, you know, it's, it's not anti-capitalism, but it's anti-runaway um, capitalism, so that people are just considered assets to be thrown away at will, or to cut down until, you know, cut their salaries, cut their wages, so that we can make more profit. That goes so far against the teachings of Jesus, and that's what Pope Francis is talking about. I mean, uh, you know, I can't simplify it any more than that. And it's not a political, it's not socialism, it's not communism, it's not capitalism. It's just a basic statement that this is what Jesus teaches us as Christians, that we're all in this together, we're all connected. And, and, you know, I always find it fascinating, if you've read the Gospels, um, and that Jesus was tempted three times, and each time he uh, avoided a temptation. And, you know, he wasn't tempted with sex or anything like that. He was tempted with wealth and power. And that's where, you know, the the temptations come is wealth and power, and that's where the corruption comes. So he will be talking about that.
1: Beautifully said. Yes, Patrick, thank you very, very much <laughs> for that. So we are pretty much out of time. But before we let you go, I'd like to let you I'd like if you can let the listeners know how they can learn more about your organization and how they can see the Pope when he speaks. And if there are going to be any jumbotrons um, in Harlem,
3: <laughs> well, the Pope is coming to East Harlem. Yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, well, you can, you know, you can find more about my organization at franciscanaction.org. You can also go to the uh, Global Catholic Climate Movement website, which we're a co-founder of. Um, people are, uh, you know, you can certainly watch C-SPAN and you'll see the Pope uh, speaking. If you're down in D.C., and I'd invite you guys to come down and do a radio show down in D.C. if you were interested, both when the Pope's speaking or before. Of course we are. A whole group of faith leaders are going to be uh, doing a 10-day hunger fast, including myself, leading up to the Pope Speaks. There's going to be a 24-hour prayer vigil on the mall in Washington, D.C., and that's going to be followed by a 24-hour prayer vigil in New York City. So a lot of those things are happening. People can Again, most of that you can get off of our website, and then i 'm going to lead you to other websites that are planning some of these uh, activities um, you know, and please come join us if you can't come down to d c to do participate in our hunger fast fast for one day to support the pulse and to really um, fast for the climate it's called a global move to fast for the climate we're urging people the first day of each month to fast things like that are happening it's a great coming together, as I said earlier. There's a spiritual reawakening that's happening, and it's so exciting. I'm so excited to be alive in this period of time, and I'm so hopeful because of the Pope's message.
1: Patrick, thank you so much. This was a very wonderful conversation, and I think we are all pumped up and excited about the things that we learned today and hopefully the listeners learned. Um, We will definitely make sure we get back to you, but once again, thank you for calling in today. So, guys, I'm I'm not really going to sit here and preach to you or give you another long TED Talk about why climate change is a thing that we need to be focusing on. I think that Patrick did just that. What I will tell you to do is to read the encyclical, if you have not done so already, and and then have a conversation with your friends. And if you are someone who is religious and you believe in God, I think this is something that you really need to pay attention to. But to close it out, I'm just going to play a quick clip from the newsroom that I guess puts into perspective just how serious this issue with climate is. So guys, enjoy. Just so we know what we're talking about, if you were a doctor and we were the patient, what's
3: your prognosis? A thousand years? Two thousand years? A person has already been born who will die due to catastrophic failure of the planet.
0: What did he just say?
3: Okay, can you uh, expand on that? Sure. Um, The last time there was this much CO2 in the air, the oceans were 80 feet higher than they are now. Two things you should know. Half the world's population lives within 120 miles of an ocean. And the other? Humans can't breathe underwater. You're saying the situation's dire. Not exactly. Um, Your house is burning to the ground. The situation's dire. Your house has already burned to the ground. Situation's over. So what can we do to reverse this? I guess for now you've got the last laugh.
1: WHCR
0: 94.3 FM New York